0: This episode of the Blockhash podcast is sponsored by my friend Tiger at ITZTiger.Music on Instagram. He does all the audio tracks for the Blockhash podcast. He's on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Go check him out. The podcast is also sponsored by Day and Night, the ultimate revolution in vaping batteries, the double-bladed lightsaber of vaping. Why enjoy one flavor when you can enjoy two flavors at the same time? Go check them out on Instagram at day night battery. But wait, the podcast is also sponsored by Bengali, the new hip clothing brand that is about to take Medellin by storm. Quality clothing for men that fits right and that is stylish at the same time. I love it. I got tons of it. And you'll see me wearing it on the podcast. Get yours now. Go to Bengali.shop on Instagram. Lastly, be sure to sign up for the Blockchain Insider newsletter. For only $250 a month, you will get weekly updates on the crypto market, my top investment picks, and advanced analysis to help you make better informed investment decisions. You can't put a price on that. So go click on the link in the description and sign up today. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, July seventh, episode one fifty one, and today I have Nithin Paulavelli, CEO of Rubix. The Rubix chain has a lot of benefits that separate it from traditional blockchains like Ethereum, such as their NFT marketplace, their differentiation between utility and asset tokens, their elimination of latency and bottlenecks, and so much more cool stuff that they're just starting to launch. And their brand new blockchain that you guys really have to check out. So, with that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Nathan Pallavelli and Rubik's. Enjoy. Nathan, welcome to the BlockHash Podcast Live. How are you doing today? What's up?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you, Brandon. It's been a pleasure being here.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you today. Um, you know, where, where are you based? Where are you from?
1: So we are based in Zug, Switzerland, So which is a Crypto Valley.
0: Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's Crypto Valley like?
1: It's quite fun uh, to be here because uh, a lot of uh, crypto startups here. And the regulatory environment is quite friendly. Mm-hmm. So this is a place, if you want to be a crypto pruner,
0: What's the, the crypto you know, regs like there? I, I know that crypto is treated like currency still, right?
1: Uh, it's still not that, uh, treated as a currency, but uh, the regulations are quite friendly. Mm-hmm. And in terms of blockchain space, we do have a lot of uh, support, especially in terms of uh, uh, associations and also if you want any licenses. So those sort of things will be available are much more accessible compared to other parts.
0: Okay, got it, got it. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about, you know, the Crypto Valley in Switzerland, and it's been around for a long time, huh? It's like five, six, seven years, you know, that it was established, like, way back in the day.
1: Yes, it's been becoming popular for in the last four years, in particular.
0: Okay, got it. Um, okay, cool. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, my audience probably going be curious about who Nithin is like, you know, what, what are you doing in, in crypto? How did you get here? What, what's your story? Tell me.
1: I started as, um, as a scientist to begin with, uh, I was working with, uh, nanotechnology. Uh, I was, um, mm-hmm. I was an expert in Monte Carlo modeling, um, for doing a lot of models kind of thing. And I was quite interested in finance to begin with. So I started working on the financial models and moved uh, totally into finance. that was way back in 2011 and 2012. That was the time I graduated from my academics to the proper finance market. And I've been in the space for quite some time working with finance and also the startup uh, ecosystem, especially in Europe and in China where uh, I, I then I was introduced into the investment banking world and started as a banker, then started investing in many uh, projects, uh, started from startups all the way to the IPOs and also the post-mergers merger and acquisitions. That was the thing I was doing. But still, my heart was uh, with modeling and also doing research. That's where the whole passion was. And then the crypto boom came in, in 2017, that was the time we as an investment banker started investing in them and learning how beautiful it is, how it can move forward. So then I quit uh, my investment banking career and moved to be an entrepreneur in the crypto space and started working, especially with the FinTech Arena. And Finally, we figured out, okay, so there are several problems in the crypto arena where some of the technical challenges are still unsolved. So we tried to do as a pet project, which started as a pet project, and later on evolved as a full um, mainstream project. So RuPix as a company, which is um, not very new in terms of concept, but in terms of a company, it is quite new. It's now more than four months old. But as a company, we started developing over four years till date. So several of the things which cannot be done on the blockchain, like storing the data and the transactions per second gain, these are the few things we were able to solve it. And definitely I will be able to speak more about it. And uh, in the last four months, we were able to get quite a bit of traction in with the various applications on the top of Robits, which has been built. So it's a quick background.
0: Yeah. So you've gone from nanotech to banking to crypto. That's kind of an interesting trajectory. Um, What would you do in nanotech before?
1: I was into bio nanotechnology to start Mm -hmm. with, where I was creating um, Monte Carlo models for several of the silicon chips and silicon germanium for bio nano applications, where on that particular thing, my job was to create simulations for the Monte Carlo modeling. So what uh, Monte Carlo modeling is something where it predicts what will happen in the next step. So based on the previous analytics available. So it can be applied with any perspective. So it can be applied in finance or in biology or in semiconductors, in physics, you can apply in various things. So everything happens in the real world, which is three dimensional, which is more difficult compared to the finance, which is the two dimensional world.
0: Okay. You know, I've never really thought about this, but is there a way to combine nanotech with blockchain in some way? Like, is there a use case there? Have you thought about that?
1: Nanotech, so technically it is possible, theoretically, but uh, I wouldn't see much of uh, applications coming up with, Mm -hmm. because nanotech doesn't really follow the rules of physics, what you have learned in the textbook. Most of the things what you have to learn, like theory of gravity, which doesn't apply in the nanotechnology.
0: What about like health data? I imagine you could use nanotech, you know, to accumulate certain health data about yourself, about others, and then, you know, use blockchain to aggregate that.
1: Yeah. So healthcare data aggregation is something or data tracking is something which is quite possible. And there are certain challenges to do it. So one is uh, HIPAA compliant. That is where uh, the major concern comes in. So that was the problem with the blockchain where all the data was publicly available on the ledger, So, which is not really compliant. So now, uh, uh, having said that, but there are new masking methodologies which is coming up on the data, which is like a permission blockchain, where the transactions will be visible, but the rest of the metadata can be hidden only for the authorized parties can be done. So this particular application is something which uh, on the Rubik's, we can definitely do it. And we are doing it for several other applications. One application which includes uh, um, decentralized cloud. So where uh, we are doing uh, quite a bit of progress and also decentralized identity, which in terms of the basic principle, it's uh, the same where you mask some of the data, which will be only permission to the particular actors so who will be able to access. Rest of the data should not be accessed. So in to answer your question, so there are blockchain and healthcare is definitely workable, mm-hmm. but um, nano thing is something which is to be explored. I don't have an answer.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool to see some people explore that in the future. I bet there's some really cool use cases you could put together between nanotech and blockchain. Um, but not to stray too far away, but let's let's talk about Rubiks. I'm curious what you guys do, I have a lot of questions um, after digging into it. In fact, I'll even pull up the website because I just can, because I'm awesome. Um, yeah, cool, yeah, so tell me about Rubix. What, what are you guys doing, like what's the goal, like what are you guys trying to accomplish?
1: Uh, If you look into any of the blockchains, right? Technically, almost every blockchain has copied the architecture of Bitcoin. So whether we like it or not, almost everybody has copied it. It's a scalar technology. What um, Bitcoin is a concept which has been derived from 1950s to 1980s. So all the uh, aggregation of it, what Satoshi has done, or uh, uh, the team of that particular thing people has done is aggregating all the concepts and connecting all the data sets and the points and visualizing a Bitcoin as a concept, which is a scalar technology. But there are some critical flaws in the scalar technology, where you are limiting to several things where you cannot store data, that is where, which is a severe limitation. And the second biggest limitation is the environmental friendly aspect, where the bitcoin is a function of hashing power so many of the other blockchains are just followed that particular part. so is there a way we would be able to solve it that is where we begin this particular concept and then we saw another technology which uh, coming up called ipfs where ipfs you shall be able to store decentralized uh, store data so is there a possibility ipfs is not a blockchain It is uh, for distributed file ledger. Is there a way we can combine the IPFS and blockchain together? So that's what Rubix is all about. Then we saw what was the shortcoming in both the places and we got the best of two things combined together. And then, so as a result, Rubix was a product where we invented the proof of harvest methodology which is quite significantly different than the proof of work or the proof of stake methodologies, which is consensus mechanisms, which are uh, being used currently, most of them to begin with. Proof of work where you are, it's a function of a hash rate and proof of stake is like, okay, uh, how many number of tokens you have, how many of, uh, how rich you are, it is replicating the existing elite structure of the current monetary system, where proof of harvest is something what we have done. So currently, I'm using a MacBook Air, which is not a powerful system. At the same time, I'm running a Rubik's node. It is a full node I could run on the computer, which never happened before on any blockchain. When I run this one, uh, there are multiple things I'm doing. First, I'm mining the Rubik's coin, where I'm uh, authenticating or I'm acting as a notary while speaking with you technically I'm not using any extra power so where I'm on the back end it is running and it is I, my hardware is being used for a uh, data storage for somebody else which is completely encrypted I have no clue what that one is so both the things we are able to do it so you can store data and you can save the power technically you don't need a miner for uh, Rubik's, every computer is a minor even your cell phone or a, you can use a raspberry pi to begin with
0: yeah so if i use my cell phone that how much of that cpu would it take up like would it make my phone run any slower or is it like really really simple to do
1: it is quite simple to do Currently, we do have for your computer and our notes are available to download. Probably for mobile phone, it will be coming up very soon. Perhaps in a month or two, we shall be able to uh, put it up on our GitHub where you can download it. So with what we have seen, it doesn't consume much of uh, processing power. It could be less than your current applications like uh, WhatsApp or Telegram, probably similar or even less.
0: Yeah, what's, what's the biggest benefit of using Proof of Harvest or something else? I know you guys have this, you know, this blockchain green initiative, um, you know, cut down on carbon emissions and whatnot. Is that like one of the major benefits of using Proof of Harvest?
1: Uh, the major benefits is uh, transactions per second. Mm-hmm. That is one thing. And the transaction fees, which is zero for the lifetime. So there is there are blockchains which offer, uh, techno. Sorry, uh, the um, transact. Sorry, the transaction cost as low as zero point zero two cents or even lower. But mm, I haven't seen anything which is completely free. That's where we thought. When you go uh, outside and you spend with your credit card, right? You do not expect for the domestic transactions to pay any charges to begin with. So. In terms of access, everything should be free. That is where we begin with. That is one part of it. And proof of harvest, why people have to use it is about the scalability. If you look into any of the D apps, what you call, technically, the applications are built either on the cloud or any other things. Only the transactions are logged on the blockchain. So, the blockchain doesn't allow you to build an application on the top of it, as we speak today. So, your most of the application are built on ERC20 or uh, other kind of blockchains available. You are not technically using the blockchain to run your application. It is just logging the transactions. At the end of the day, you're keeping it as a registry, but you still need a cloud, you need a database, you need so many things. But on Rubik's, we have a layered architecture on the protocol itself. We, uh, You do not need database. You don't need middleware. All you have to do is to write an application layer on the top of our protocol. So it is possible uh, for the next call, me and you shall be able to talk over Rubix protocol. Our app is ready. Mm -hmm. I would love to send it to you so we can have another call.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You should send it over to me. Um, And I know you guys do a bunch of things with Rubix other than that too, as well. Um, One of them being the tokens. I've seen that you guys have a differentiation in your tokens between uh, what's a utility token and an asset token. Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yes. See, um, the asset token is something is a storage of value where it can work as nothing more different than uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum, which is a storage of value. And the token hash is something each and every token of Rubix is its own chain. Unlike... Um, if you look into the stack, where, why do you need a secondary, tertiary or tertiary scaling right? to begin with? You can only do 15 or 20 transactions per second. It doesn't scale more than that. one. If you want to do secondary scaling, what technically doing, you do have, for example, you look into a toll gate where you can only pass 15 cars at any given point of time per second. So what you're doing on a secondary scaling in that particular car, you are stacking up multiple transactions in one thing, you're packaging it and you're sending it inside. So where each and every uh, token, uh, sorry, every block has to be concluded before the next block starts. So this is where the scalar technology doesn't allow you to do so. Where what we have created for the token hash, each and every token will become its own tall gate. so that you do not have to wait for the one more block to conclude for the next block to start with. So if you have 10 nodes, you can simultaneously do five transactions on a token hash. Mm-hmm. If you have 10 million, you can do 5 million transactions at the same time. So we do not have any bottleneck in terms of the uh, transactions per second. So that is how our token hashes work against. Uh, the coin or storage of value.
0: So is the asset token more or less equivalent to like an NFT or is that like taking an NFT to a different level in terms of what you can do with it?
1: NFT is something uh, I'm glad you have asked about NFT. Mm-hmm. So in a non fungible token where we already know the textbook definition of it, everybody knows that, okay, you cannot manipulate it, you cannot subdivide it. So there is quite unique, that is cool. Mm -hmm. But um, when you go deep into the NFT part of it, there are several bits and pieces has to be aligned and to give, currently the NFTs are quite limited to the digital art only. And there is no way to prove the provenance of that particular art to begin with where you are storing, if you go to any of the NFT platforms where you are storing the data on the centralized server or you are using an IPFS hash or you you are storing on the cloud and you're pointing your metadata out there. So that is what NFT is all about uh, on the other platforms, especially the Ethereum-based ones. But on Rubiks, you are directly storing the NFT on-chain when the NFT on-chain, which is encrypted already, if you go to Rubik's market, so which is our NFT marketplace, you shall be able to see how it really works. So our NFTs are the real assets. So you can use, you can make it like, you can use it for ticketing, you can use for supply chain management, textiles, luxury industries, and movies. You There is even the lottery tickets, or if you want to use it for Mm -hmm. uh, digital art and we do have a way to tie the physical and the digital art through our stegano embedding technology and the unique QR code where the QR code is the secret code which uh, will be shared in between the physical asset and the NFT which is physically linked. So we recently had one um, auction of a car which was used in Fast and Furious so that was a That was the world's first uh, uh, digital physical twin.
0: It's very cool. Um, Okay, so I have a question. So how does your guys' NFT marketplace stack up um, against something like OpenSea or Rarible, um, where it's quite popular to make NFTs already? Um, On Ethereum, you know, despite all the issues and fees that are associated with that, what's the benefit of doing it on Rubix versus on an already existing popular platform?
1: So currently Rubiks is a premium marketplace for an NFT, where we do have several new NFTs which are coming. Uh, if you see our NFT marketplace, most of them are premium, uh, anywhere between $50,000 to $10 million. That is our baseline. So uh, based on the network and also uh, based on the demand and the supply, everything which what is there on NFT, uh, uh, NFT marketplace on Rubik's is premium only at the moment, whereas uh, the rest of the marketplaces are not premium. You can get NFT as low as $1 or even lower, and it can go all the way to any price. So it those marketplaces are real marketplaces, we are keeping itself to exclusive and uh, uh, premium market. So that was in terms of business. In terms of provenance and the actual value of it, Uh, So, all the NFT marketplaces you have mentioned, right? So there is no way stopping you to create uh, the replication of an NFT. So you can just go right-click, download the asset and you can mint an NFT on another platform or in the same platform. There is nothing stopping you. Try to do that one on Rubiks. It is impossible because you can't even access the main uh, asset without the private keys where we have something called the hide technology, which is called high-density embedding. If you can go to rubixmarket.com, so you will be able to see how the hide works. So when you click on the actual asset, the asset you see is just a blurry or some dots until and unless you have a private key, impossible to access.
0: Let me ask you this. So, you know, since we're on the topic of NFTs, what do you think, you know, the future holds for them? Like, do you think NFTs... Um, you know, are going to keep fulfilling the same types of use cases with like art and collectibles and stuff like that? Or do you think that there's like a next um, evolutionary step for NFTs as a token? Uh, maybe that ends up happening through Rubik's, who knows? Um, but where do you see it going?
1: The artwork on the NFTs are here to stay. So, because uh, the artworks is quite an important uh, industry and it is not going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But um, the expansion into other industries is something which is inevitable and it has to happen. For example, uh, pharmaceutical industry, where each and every product, even the mask, we have seen a lot of uh, counterfeit products which are coming in uh, substandard and counterfeit products where you have no way to verify this particular thing. Is it true or is it uh, something which you can trust or not? Although it is coming from a legitimate source, and there is no way to prove it. So, pharmaceutical industry is one thing I see the NFTs will be picking up very soon and the food industry and the luxury industry is where you will see it. NFT is what I see the another major um, application will be um, the online streaming which will be coming very soon where you shall be able to sell NFT token as a entry ticket or any of the virtual assets, you shall be able to do it. And also the regular ticketing, if you wanna watch baseball or any other sport, or even a movie, you shall be able to use NFT as a ticketing and including the bus tickets or even the flight tickets. Those are the places where the existing technologies are quite redundant and uh, consuming a lot of power and inefficiency, those things could be solved. So there is a wide array of uh, applications which shall be available.
0: Yeah, I, I can see it highly being used in retail, especially uh, luxury retail. I know LVMH; they're trying to do the same thing for all their, um, you know, products, handbags and stuff like that. You know, through Louis Vuitton um, and stuff like that, to you know, be able to what's the word authenticate or verify like their products for like a mm-hmm. secondary market if they want to like resell them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I see a lot of luxury companies doing that. I see a lot of retailer companies doing that because it just it helps validate a secondary marketplace Um, you know it solves a lot of issues with counterfeit products and stuff like that i mean i I imagine that's going to be another huge use case for nfts
1: yeah so counterfeit is one product of it and at the same time right what happens is there is a chance you misplace the certificates so you might be selling one product with a mixed up certificate too So, there is a chance which can be overridden by the NFTs, which is application I would see uh, going forward. And counterfeits, of course, uh, which is something which is very serious. And, for example, you come from United States where 8 out of 10 litres of olive oil which is sold in the market is counterfeit. And there is no way for you to verify, are you really having olive oil or you're having an oil which is made up uh, by using chemicals, which is something really alarming. But if you Google it, you will know what it really is. And even honey or even saffron. So this is the real problem which has to be addressed and it can be addressed through technology.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of issues, especially in America too. You know, it'll it'll solve a lot of problems. I'm very excited for it, and I think the future's bright. Um, you know, overall though, for Rubix um, or Rubix Chain, how does that stack up versus you know something like Ethereum? Um, is you know overall is it faster? Does it scale better? Like, what's like the thing that makes it stand out from Ethereum that? people should consider like if they want to do NFTs or they want to create a token or if they um, want to participate in something like proof of harvest over proof of work or proof of stake, Um, you know, what, what separates Rubix?
1: So to begin with, we are not, uh, we are a company without any investors. So we did not take any token investments. We did not take any equity investments. So this is a pure project by passion where uh, the passionate developers and personal investments has come in from the founders, from a uh, couple of other founders, what I have, they have been quite generous in terms of putting their time, money and their knowledge base into it. So the the project, which was grown from passion towards an application where we were able to get over 40 plus corporate clients uh, to give a very quick start at this point of time. So. On the private blockchain of rubik so we have been live for over 18 months we have over 3 million weekly active users uh, using a couple of other applications so we are quite uh, in terms of scalability we have already proven in the private space in the public blockchain we went live last week already it has grown over 100 nodes as we speak Mm -hmm. it is all volunteers who are coming in uh, and doing it uh, to begin with so Ethereum is something which you cannot just download on your computer and start mining, unless you have a huge stack of uh, uh, storage space and computational power and a lot of tokens you need to have to start mining or to call yourself as a validator, which is impossible. Um, A regular college graduate, uh, for example, he or she, they're just starting out in their career. They don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars in their pocket. So is there a way you can become a millionaire or a billionaire on Ethereum just by mining and doing coding of that? It is quite difficult, or maybe in extreme possible at this point of time. The question is, can I create, 10, uh, when Microsoft went public uh, way back in 1980s, they made 10 million millionaires, right? So for Rubiks, my dream is to make 1 million millionaires who will be using the Rubiks blockchain. How can they do it? Can I de-incentivize the people with power? That, is, that was the biggest question we had and we were able to do it. So on Rubiks, the way we have designed is you put computational power, you put a quantum computer or a supercomputer, it is no different than your cell phone or your computer at home. So technically hashing power really doesn't matter. You will be considered just an, as another node So it doesn't give them an incentive to put a huge farms. If you look into the farming of Ethereum or Bitcoin, currently it is run by businesses, professional businesses. It's not done by people anymore, which is the problem we want to avoid. That is where we begin with. Uh, That was an ideology we want to begin with. And the second part of it will be the usability where you can build applications on the top of Rubik's, which Ethereum or Bitcoin doesn't allow you to do so, where um, to give, uh, when I say application, we have built one particular application called uh, um, Online Messenger, where which is called an Essentials. You can make technically me and you can call with each other without having to go through any network, without having to go through any of the centralized servers. So it is completely peer to peer. and it it is on the blockchain, which has never happened before. Those things are something which we have already realized and we shall be happy to put everything on open source. We want other people to join us and if they call it as a revolution or they call it as something which uh, bringing value in terms of the technology or in terms of the provenance, we encourage them to do so. Like like-minded people, we want them to be on chain, on board.
0: Yeah, peer-to-peer uh, calling and messaging is a big deal, especially with blockchain. Um, I, I've only heard of maybe one or two other, um, you know, projects out there that have even considered it or worked on it a little bit. But it, it, it's very new. It's a uh, it's a big deal. Have, is that like a service or a product that you guys offer now, or something you guys want to do in the near future?
1: We are already offering. So some of our clients have already onboarded and we have around 14 clients at the moment so starting from the central governments to the military applications those are the people who really need secrecy security those are the people who joined uh, uh, as our customers and some of them you can see on our website some of them with an nda we cannot publish their names but our goal is to bring everything open source in the next 2 to 3 months where everybody can download as an individual user, can mine on their cell phone, can speak. Uh, When recent changes with WhatsApp where people were worried about privacy. So this this is where we thought uh, we shall be able to develop the application. Building applications on Rupees is extremely easy. The way we have done everything we have learned on the textbook, you need to concentrate on the seven layers. And you need to write database, middleware, back end, front end. It's all gone. All you have to do is an application on front end. Rest of the things is already taken care.
0: I need that application. I need the, the government not to look into my life so much. I think a lot of us need that. Um, That'd it, be a great next step in terms of communication. Um, you know, other than that, though, uh, before we wrap up the the episode and everything uh, and the live stream, what's the the roadmap look like? For Rubiks, you know, the rest of the year, do you guys have anything on your timeline uh, that's scheduled, that's public, that you want people to be more aware of, um, or anything that you can't announce, or or would you want people to to keep in mind?
1: Yeah, so we just went live last week. That is uh, that is the mainnet, which is already live. Mm-hmm. We want more number of people joining us in terms of uh, as a miners, as application developers. We want them to engage and build on the top of it. So the good news is we already have significant interest coming from very good quality developers and also the institutions from across the globe. So one of the institution is planning to build uh, the communication layer for their existing clientele. This is something partnership, which is exciting, which we are getting at this point of time that will be announced and one major basketball team uh, in United States, uh, their marketplace will be coming on Rubix. This will be a new announcement. I cannot reveal the name until the press release goes out. Mm-hmm. And after that one, uh, we are also coming up with a decentralized finance application, where for the first time you are able to include your digital identity to your wallet. Till date, it wasn't possible. When most of the wallets were, yeah, you know, if you include a KYC AML, it is going to be centralized. You cannot have a decentralized wallet, decentralized uh, way to do it, um, to have a KYC AML approved wallets, which was the biggest problem, even for all the CBDC developments. So that is the game we have already cracked that will be available probably in three to four months down the line. So this is something which uh, we are quite excited about
0: geez you guys got a lot of stuff going on huh (laughs) a lot of cool stuff coming up how how can people keep up with all that do you guys have a a discord or a telegram or a blog
1: we do have a telegram and uh, we also announce on twitter linkedin and we do also have facebook channel Mm -hmm. telegram of course uh, it is there and where's the
0: best place to go
1: Best place Telegram or Twitter or the for developers is GitHub.
0: Okay, cool, excellent, Nathan. Thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Um, And you know, dive into all the many things you guys are doing with Rubiks. I'm very excited to see how that all shapes out this year. Um, And yeah, thank you for taking the time.
1: Thank you, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Pleasure to have you on. Uh, feel free to come back on in the near future. I definitely want to hear more about the, your updates. That's
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. All right.
0: Thank you. See you soon.